Hello, and welcome to IRI Growth Insights, featuring IRI thought leaders, industry partners, and guests. For more than 40 years, IRI has been known for its invaluable data, but these podcasts delve into the insights the data reveal to fuel market disruption and market growth for those in the CPG, retail, healthcare, and media markets. I'm your host, Joan Driggs, coming to you from IRI's corporate headquarters in Chicago. Welcome to another monthly Fresh Pulse episode. I'm joined by IRI's Fresh expert, Jenna Parker, principal of IRI's Fresh Center of Excellence, and special guest, returning special guest, uh, and IRI partner, Anna Marie Rohrink, president of 210 Analytics, a research company that specializes in food retailing. Since March of 2020, Jana and Anna Marie have collaborated on reports of departments across the store. So we really encourage you to visit iriworldwide.com backslash fresh foods to see these full reports. In this episode, Jana and Anna Marie explain our January numbers um, when we were still really in full Omicron mode. So the January, we, we ran a survey in January and of consumers, and it indicated that they were preparing 82% of their meals at home. That's an increase from November. Now I can kind of see that in a couple ways because it was pre-Omicron, but really is it all based on Omicron? Um, I think that there's probably a number of factors at play. So Jana, tell me what you see here. There was kind of a, a bunch of headwinds facing the industry as we hit the new year. It was, of course, that the concern on the virus was slightly more than it had been, let's say, in the summer. Um, But also, it was really what was really marked to me in that consumer survey was 90 plus percent of consumers almost were concerned about food and grocery inflation. Couple that with the fact that we, of course, have consistent continued supply shortages across the entire store. And there was a lot of bad weather, especially in the Northeast and other parts of the country where a lot of people live. So I do think the winter always spells a little bit of an increase in terms of at-home cooking, but the jump up, which we hadn't seen in many months, was really a mix of concern about inflation, the weather, Omicron, supply shortages, and just folks being extremely top of mind about what selections they were making when they went to the store. Yeah, John, I'd love to jump on top of that because what is happening relative to inflation is so fascinating. So if we go back five years, 10 years, 15 years, whenever we've had periods of high inflation, one of the first things people tend to do is eat out less and go and cook more at home because it is more economical to do so. Um, The second thing they tend to do is look for promotions. The third thing they tend to do is really uh, buying what is on sale rather than trying to find the items that they want to buy on sale. So there is specific steps that people tend to take. Uh, But the environment right now is so incredibly difficult and different because people were already eating out at restaurants a whole lot less than before. So there only was so much they could do to save. Uh, There aren't as many promotions out there as you guys track every single week and every single month. So finding promotions is not as easy. 
Um, then if we think about, let's just say meat, right? The typical substitutions that people were making going from, let's say, chicken breast to wings or thighs, those kinds of substitutions may not work in the current environment. And so we've seen some very interesting patterns emerge. And I absolutely agree with you that while COVID continues to play a role it is really inflation right now, as well as availability out in the marketplace, what is and isn't available for sale, that is having the bigger impact on the January numbers, really across categories. But it's not even across categories. Now, I remember, Anna Marie, when we were talking about, the, in the last episode, when we were talking about recapping 2021, um, one of the things that I thought that you mentioned, or that I recall you mentioning, was that prices are up, like say in meat, like prices are up across the board. There's no way to trade down in some of that. So with inflation and supply, the pricing is up um, in different ways for different categories across the store. So can you give us a sense of maybe where the pain is a little less, either in supply or in inflation? Yeah, you know, and sometimes it's also reality and perception, right? Let's just talk about, for instance, about the frozen food category. People forever and a day have had the perception that frozen foods are a better value than fresh. Whether that's true or not doesn't really matter. That is the perception that lives among the U.S. population. And so when we look at periods of high inflation, whether that's in seafood or in meat or fruits and vegetables, we often see people look at the prices in fresh and we see more dollars and trips move to frozen. And in part, even I think if the price per unit, price per pound were to be the same, if inflation were to be the same, people have this perception that for frozen they can use exactly as much as they would like to use. It doesn't go bad. So they don't have to shrink at home. And the same, of course, is true for retail as well. So I think these are the kinds of, of uh, situations where both frozen, center store are doing really well. And we've really seen that throughout the pandemic. So absolutely within the whole inflationary picture, you know, a ribeye is still going to be way more, more, more expensive than ground beef. And so there are still substitutions, even though the total level of pricing have gone up. Uh, but we certainly see interesting patterns around the store emerge as well. The pattern piece is what's so unique about this. Both what Emory covered in the beginning about our typical methods of money saving just aren't happening right now. But I think the choices are being much more complex than we might think. And this was true in the last recession as well. When we were going into that period and we knew that money was tight, the original thought that everyone had in the industry was that, okay, people aren't going to splurge on things like lobster and artisan bread and even lipstick. And yet those became escapes. And I think that that's what we're really seeing. When I analyze category after category of today's January numbers, yes, the price inflation is perceived to be the highest in staples. Two-thirds of Americans, when asked for pick list of more than 15 different grocery items, two-thirds of Americans cite that they feel the price is highest in beef, pork, produce, chicken, turkey, and milk. And yet, when we actually stack all of the items that have seen a price per pound increase across the entire store, those are only about middle of the road in terms of what's been up. In fact, 
it's a mix of things that are everyday, like bacon. And to Anna Marie's point, frozen meat is actually up higher on a price per pound basis than the average beef or pork cut. Now, the average beef or pork cut varies from ground beef all the way up until, you know, a porterhouse. But frozen meat also saw a price increase because that same supply chain that's still being pressured at the plant is still now seeing higher prices at retail. So the bottom line is there are certain parts of the store that people know or watch the price of. And if you're used to buying something on a week to week or biweekly basis, you notice that that's higher. But you're also noticing it at your favorite restaurants when you go through the drive-thru. And you're also noticing it then in several other places in your life, like Amazon or when you go to buy clothing. That said, we are still seeing premiumization behaviors happening today. Even though, again, nine out of 10 Americans feel inflation is higher, they are buying things like convenience entrees from the deli that are higher in price than frozen entrees. There are, especially around the December holiday, and even a little bit in January, tied to a lot of the football and sporting events that we had, people are splurging on things that cost more expensive. One of the spotlight things that we did this month was chicken wings. Because we looked for several of our poultry companies, to Anna Marie's point, about where are buyers going because chicken breasts are actually relatively marginal in terms of price increase right now compared to beef and pork. Yet, we actually saw, even though the price of chicken wings and chicken thighs are so much higher, and I'm saying they're cut, people are trading into them, especially fresh chicken wings. And that's because... There was a lot to do related to snack foods, a lot to do related to celebrations. And even though the price per chicken wings at a grocery store we know is higher than it was a year ago, people are still trading into it because it's fun, it's different, and frankly, it's cheaper than ordering out. Well, John, I think that's a really good point. And and that's really where I see retail coming on so strong right now is their ability to say, you know what, we don't have the kind of promotions, but there are a lot of the messaging is switching to that idea of cooking at home being less expensive. And if you think about ordering a platter of chicken, 20 chicken wings at whatever your favorite sports bar is, compared to the 20 at home, combined with the enormous trend of air fryers, where everybody swears up and down that air fried chicken wings are the best thing since sliced bread, That's where I think retail is still going to win. And I think that's an important conversation to have. Yes, there's inflation. Yes, there's inflation across categories. But what can retailers do to still be a helping hand for people that are seeing so much pressure? Um, January government numbers that came out is that people actually backslid about 3% in terms of their incremental uh, income if you will, because yes, salary increased, but inflation was so much higher that people just have less purchasing power. And that will be felt across the store. So I'm seeing retailers just do tremendous promotions where it shows, you know, bring the steakhouse to you, giving permissibility to say it's okay to buy a ribeye and it's okay to have some fun and celebrations at home. Um, And it is still a lot cheaper than eating out. So they're really starting to fight a little bit more for their space I'm seeing some very interesting promotions happening in mix and match, if you will. Uh, I was at KVAT a couple of weeks ago, and they had a whole display where it was any one of these items is this particular price. And of course, that takes the pressure off of just having chicken on sale or just having beef on sale. So there is a lot of creativity. And you mentioned convenience, and I think that's one of them. They're really saying 
it's okay to splurge a little bit on buying back some time and giving yourself a little bit um, of help in the kitchen and paying a little bit more for it. So I think that's actually going to continue to be a big, a big um, trend. So two things that I'm hearing that are really interesting right now. So Jana, you mentioned chicken wings. And when we're looking at January, that was ahead of Super Bowl. But are you saying or are you telling us either people purchased earlier or is it just that this is one of those fun things to eat? And as Anna Marie mentioned, they go great with air fryers. So give us a little sense of what's happening with chicken wings. And then I want to go back to premium. Keep in mind that even though the Super Bowl was February 13th, we had a tremendous U.S. football season. More people watched the playoffs than ever. All games were exciting. And on top of that, chicken wings overall are easy. They are easy in air fryers or any other kind of local thing or easy to use cooking convenience. They're more small portion size, which is something we haven't talked about yet. While I do think people are making choiceful trades in terms of the cuts they're buying, I also think people are scaling back a little bit in the volume department and not buying more than they need if the price is not on sale or a good price at this point, since we are seeing not necessarily less frequent promotions, to Anna Marie's point. We're just seeing more choiceful and much less depth of discount. The importance of seeing that sale tag is still in the mindset of consumers, But because the price of everything is still up, I think it is more about positioning what you can do with this product, how you can make many meals out of it. Um, And I think the chicken wing piece, again, you know, we actually broke down and analyzed individual markets that were having the highest spike in chicken wing sales. Because again, I bring this up and it sounds so intuitive, right? We all know that wings are a popular food. You can make them in many flavors. You can satisfy many palates. But We really have never seen the volume of fresh chicken wings that we're seeing right now. And honestly, one of the cities that had the most volume for chicken wings were the cities that were in the playoffs. Kansas City and Los Angeles and Cincinnati did tremendously well. So I think that it's it's that. I think that there's also just this snack as meal kind of concept. I still just remark month over month at the trend I wish I would have talked about in March 2020, which is how charcuterie boards, specialty cheeses, snackable Italian dry sausages, dips, spreads from the deli department are doing so well. And it is not necessarily tied to gatherings, although they work great when you just have the neighbors over. It's people taking the everyday and saying, instead of it, Netflix and chill and popcorn, maybe it's Netflix and chill and our charcuterie board. And again, you can make so many different flavors and tastes and escape the everyday. The undercurrent of everything right now is meal fatigue. We're all just tired of all the behaviors that we've had to be doing now for two years that seem normal that were never in our idea before this. So anything that can happen to help people escape, save a little time, feel good about things, I think we're seeing that across the store. So, and that is such a perfect segue because the other thing that I wanted to talk about was premium. And Anne-Marie, you mentioned, like, I loved how you were saying that retailers are repositioning some of their messaging to say it's okay to splurge on a great cut of meat um, because it's cheaper than dining in a restaurant. But at the same time, it really does speak to some of those convenience items, you know, that that are premium priced. So can, can you tell us a little bit about some of those convenience items that are doing well and that play in this space? 
Yeah, I love this question because um, absolutely, when you think about all the inflation, you think about the greater pressure on income, you would think that we're all going back to cooking from scratch. And that is not true at all. What we're seeing is that what I call the hybrid meal, where people cook some items from scratch and some items are either semi-prepared or fully prepared. That's really where the majority of the population sits right now, regardless of age, regardless of income. And if we think about the fact that life, to some extent, has gone back to normal, you know, the kid, the children's sports activities are back on at night. A lot of people are commuting back into the office. Just life has resumed from a busyness point of view. And before the pandemic, convenience items that save you time by by, by paying a little bit more did really well. And this idea of I need a help in the kitchen, not just because I'm tired of cooking, but also because I'm just smack out of time, that is absolutely back. And so whether we look at produce, value-added produce is, is trending in the plus. Uh, whether we look at value-added meats, anything that's pre-marinated, pre-formed, ready to be cooked or already cooked, ready to be heated, all those items are doing extremely well. But actually where retailers go a step further and don't make the shopper run from the salad kit in the produce department to the pre-formed patties in the meat department to the heat and eat mashed potatoes in the deli department. Those retailers that put all three together in meal stations, especially at the front of the store, they are money machines and they are absolutely going gangbusters. And that goes to Jana's concept to say, make it easy, not just in preparation, but in planning, in shopping, in preparation, and in cleanup, all those four areas matter. You know, it is, I'm in the suburban Chicago area, and I visit many grocery stores just because I'm one of those people. And 201, they are reshuffling the store, investing heavily in exactly what you just said. It's been remarkable to watch this, this transformation. And those are popular spots. I think that one of the key pieces that is an undercurrent I'm asked a lot about is one of the inflationary levers that people are pulling is that they're switching to discount or mass and super centers. And I don't, well, yes, we are seeing in fresh foods, for example, you know, last year, mass super centers gained a whole share point while club kept the share point that they gained and add another half a point. So in all in all grocery, traditional grocery, as well as health and specialty grocery have both eroded share in the last two years. When I dig a little deeper and think so much about what we're discussing today, I don't think it's just that they have cheaper options for the basics. I think it's that they really get and understand the key trends that consumers are looking for. So the two that I feel that the mass and super centers just absolutely nail better than the traditional grocers are convenience. Both retailers, and I'm speaking about Target and Walmart, let's be honest, both Target and Walmart have really experimental bag meal programs. They emphasize, Walmart especially emphasizes how their deli can help you across the store, even though they don't carry all of the variety of, let's say, all the meats and, and types of prepared foods of other grocers. The ones they've got, they tell you how to connect them with other things. And I think, you know, the other piece that they play into so much better than most grocers is the other trends of food exploration, healthfulness. Both of those grocers have really made choiceful, differentiated assortments 
that really nail not just the convenience, but again, all those different taste palettes of that younger consumer. They know they needed to get people to switch what they expected. And they're doing it. They're doing it in the meat department, the produce department, you know, and, and we're seeing it in the foot traffic and the dollars. When I look at channel share for fresh and I just look at millennials, it really heavily sways to grocery. I'm sorry, out of grocery and into discount channels and club. It's just they don't see that divide that maybe a boomer, even an older Gen X sees as the grocery store is where I get groceries. They think of Target, Walmart and Costco and Sam's as grocery stores. That's just it. I always have to laugh when when we talk in in our world, we say food, drug, mass. Right. And then people always correct me and they go with food. Do you mean grocery stores? I said, yes, I do. But from a consumer's perspective, when you say where do you shop, it's the grocery store. To them, Target is a grocery store. Sam's is a grocery store. Publix is a grocery store. So um, and and that's a fascinating lesson, I think, uh, for probably towards the end of this podcast. And that is in the world of food, we tend to often use our own uh, jargon and try to think of the silos that we have within the store. And I know, Jana, this is a very uh, hot um, topic for you. We think of the meat department, the produce department, frozen, et cetera. Consumers don't think that way. They max, mix and match frozen and fresh all the time. They want to shop a meal. They don't want to shop produce and meat, et cetera. So I know you're uh, very passionate about that. So jump on in. I think I probably end each of these podcasts with the same saying. It is all about solutions, not silos. And whether it's the digital inspiration landscape and highlighting different items that can be mixed together in your Instagram, or it's a matter of, yes, breaking down the silos in the store. Obviously, I run Fresh Foods for IRI, but one of the biggest passion projects that we have is our integrated fresh database. Forever in this industry, we've looked at it as just, hey, it's those grocery and frozen aisles with UPC products. Consumers don't see code types. They see cheese and chicken. And that's how we have to look at the store. Interesting. All right. So ladies, to wrap up today, then um, I do want to say like what impacted January so much was a very troubling amalgamation of inflation, supply chain challenges, the Omicron variant, um, bad weather, which was one of the things that we really can't predict. Um, And that led to a lot of things like dining out less. Um, People weren't really finding the deal. So it it was a a boost to grocery retail for sure. There's a lot of, there's still premium hasn't gone away, which I really appreciate that drove so much growth in 2021. Um, And it's nice to know that premium still has a place. Although I think for 2022, we're really going to be driven. Our growth is going to be driven by price. Um, Retailers are kind of combating that again with premium and in just sharing simple messages of it's still okay or even a better deal to eat a really good meal at home versus dining out because prices are up across the board. Um, And retailers are working hard to support that premium and nice experience at home with more value-added products, not just in the meat department, but in produce and across the store. We're seeing them all kind of come together. And to finish up with Jana's favorite saying, for solutions, not silos. 
So with that, I want to thank you for your time. And I'll be really interested to hear what February was all about because it was both Super Bowl and Valentine's Day. Um, I know that there's a lot of people out there interested in that. So thank you both. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Please become a subscriber and let us know what you want to learn more about. We'll serve it up in a future IRI Growth Insights episode. Look for us wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to review IRI Growth Insights. Also, visit us on the web at iriworldwide.com and connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn.